Everybody say, this is us. Um, we're in a new series that I do believe if you are wanting to see relationships actually be successful in relationships, then walking in these truths, I do believe, will awaken something inside of us. And I, I'm praying, and we've been praying as a team, that we wouldn't go back to business as usual, and we would see God's kingdom realities in our relationships. And so I want to do this because uh, this is our third service, and I want to welcome everyone who is live streaming. Um, Mom, I hope you're listening and watching um, this morning, Awaken Church, um, Freedom Center Church. Um, I, I just want to point that out, that we're connecting with a church over 2,000 miles away in this service specifically, and we'll be telecasting our service there. But I want to say that we are a group of people who want to see others restored and saved. We want to see people invited into family and empowered to create culture because every one of us, um, God has written in our DNA to be creators, to be makers, to be designers, and we want to see our culture reshaped today. And so something we've been doing since the end of December, and I know you guys just sat down. And you're like, oh, he's going to ask us to stand. And I am. But we've been standing for the word of God. And just as a symbolic, like physical, obedient thing before him to believe that his truths are going to rearrange our lives, right? It says that his truth will set us free. And so would you stand with me today as we just honor God's word? And I want to read just three texts to you today. 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, whatever you do, everybody say, I do. Do all to the glory of God. Colossians 1.10 says, we pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Everybody say, I do. I do. Colossians 3.23 through 24, this is the last text. It says, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master for God. So let me pray over you guys today. Father... Um, thank you that your words will never end and that your words, your words will, will just um, transcend time. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to teach us your truth. We purpose to apply your word to our lives, to our relationships. If you believe that, say amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Um, how many of you guys want to engage with kingdom realities? All right? How many of you guys want to engage with kingdom truths? I, Kingdom hope, kingdom love, kingdom faith. Like, I want to I wanna engage with what Jesus invited us to pray when he said, this is how everyone should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth. And so how many of you guys know when the kingdom comes to earth, there is a collision? Right? It's not all hunky-dory. It's not like, hey, there's a great invitation. The door is open. How many of you guys ever had roommates? And when they start bringing in their stuff and you didn't know they were bringing in that stuff, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm in charge of the living room decor, and that is not going to work in here. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or when you first got married and you started, you guys all brought in your own baggage of relationships. You guys all brought in your own ways of how you do spaghetti, and everybody cooks spaghetti differently. And the moment that that spaghetti is cooked and you don't like it, there's collision. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so when the kingdom of God comes, there's always, there's going to be confrontation. It's going to be tough. Relationships are hard, man. Relationships can be complicated. You saw the first half of that Segway video. Man, it looked 
awesome. Life was beautiful. We're going on picnics. We're hanging out and pointing to the sky. You know what I mean? But that's not reality. Reality looked more like the last half of that video of being up in the middle of the night, not wanting to be next to the person that's next to you, facing your boss that you've been wanting to avoid because either you did something wrong or he did something wrong or whatever that it is. That's the reality of our relationships. And for us to have successful relationships, and the reason why it matters so much, because um, you're, you're not taking the chair that you're sitting on to heaven. You're not even taking the clothes or the shoes you're wearing to heaven. And if anything, what happened Sunday afternoon, I didn't know until after second service, as we were going home and we found out of the, the tragic helicopter crash of the nine people that, that were, were killed in that crash. I, I, I get it. People die every day. People die every hour. I understand that. This is not, uh, 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 this is not we should ignore any of that that, it ha that has happened. But because it was a global sports icon, have you noticed the interviews that people have been having? Have you noticed people weeping and seeing the kingdom of God advanced in them because they're saying, you need to call your friend, you need to call your brother, you need to call your family member and ask for forgiveness or forgive them because life is short. Our, our, our nation was awakened to this truth that it doesn't matter what you have, it matters who you love, right? And I saw through different uh, talk show hosts, through tears, different people convey, regardless of whether they knew it or not, the heart of God. The kingdom of God advances through relationships. It's a power statement. And the kingdom of God advances in you because of the people around you. The kingdom of God advances in you because of the people around you. How many of you guys know that people will give you the opportunity to practice kingdom realities? Whether you're tired or you're not, or you're exhausted or you're full of life, people around you will give you the opportunity to see the kingdom manifest in your life. The kingdom of God advances through relationships. So relationships are a big deal. And so much so they are a big deal that God believes you can have successful ones. And if he believes you can, then church, we need to start walking like we can. Everybody say, I can have, I can have. successful relationships. I'll say again, say, I can have, I can have. successful relationships. Successful. Anything God calls you to, he believes and will empower you to do it. If he says you're an overcomer, you will overcome because he believes you can do it. If he says you can have hope in hopeless situations, if God believes you can, trust me, he's going to empower you to do it. And if you want to have successful relationships, God believes you can have successful relationships. If we get our friends right, if we get our relationships right, if we surround ourselves with authentic people of influence, if we do, everybody say, I do. If we do relationships well, it will set us up for success in every area of our life that matters. This is why this matters so much. This is why God believes you can have um, successful relationships. And on the flip side, it's true as well. If we get our friendships wrong, if we get our relationships wrong, it can set us up for more pain, more trials, more hardships, more complexities. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And God wants to give you truth today. He wants to give us truth today so that we can run in freedom. I remember this youth pastor, one of the oldest youth pastors, they consider her in our nation, Jeannie Mayo. And she came and did a youth conference in Michigan when we, my wife and I, were youth pastors over 15 years ago. And I remember sitting there and she said this, and I don't know who coined it, but she said it, and that's the time it marked my heart. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so a lot of us would, I mean, as youth pastors, we'd take that back and we would start sharing with our students. And I would tell them, the people you spend the most time with will eventually determine your course, your life, your future. And it's not just for youth students, church. It's for all of us. I was telling second service as, as the first two rows were filled with, with high school students. And I said to them, I said, this doesn't just apply to you. When you get older, the same truth needs to be applied as you become an adult. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And today, what I want to do is kind of change some of the wording for us to understand a few things as we move forward. Show me the people who have influence in your life and I will show you your destiny. I will show you, show you your outcome. I will show you the results that it produces in your life. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, um, wrote this in Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 24. He says this, don't be, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, verse 25, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. He said this in Proverbs 13, 20, if you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise, walk with the wicked. Another translation says fools, right? If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. You want to walk with the wicked, or the foolish people, you'll eventually become just like them. If you give permission to people who are better than you, wiser than you, smarter than you, have a better grasp on their marriage than you, have, they're better with money than you, you will rise to another level. Right? Show me the people who have influence in your life, and I'll show you your future. I will show you the outcome. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't hang out with people outside of the church. I'm not saying we shouldn't hang out with people that... Um, that maybe uh, don't agree or don't believe the same way we believe. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is the people you've given permission to influence your heart, the people you've given the keys to your 67 fastback, right? The people you've given keys to, those people will influence your heart. Those are the people I'm talking about directly. Who have we given permission to lead us, to love us, to, to, to push us and lead us forward? As I look at my life, if there's any success at all in my life, in any of those arenas, it's because of one God and two, the people I allowed to speak into my life. I do not have success alone. I have success because of others in my life right? Any success, it's because of the people in my life. And it's true, more often, not only do we gain success with others, we also get into trouble with others, right? Show me those who you've given influence into your life, and we can pretty much predict what's going to happen. I remember eight years old, I, I looked up to this kid who was like nine or ten, a little older, and this is during the time when baseball was awesome. Now, if you guys think baseball is awesome, I'm sorry, I just stepped on your dream. Um, baseball is awesome. Let me backtrack. 
baseball is wonderful. And I remember when the Detroit Tigers were amazing. This was in the 80s. And I, I, I was eight years old. My friend, he was really good at baseball. And we hung out a lot um, when I was at my babysitters and my parents were working, especially during the summertime. I remember, I can still remember to this day, him showing me pornographic magazines of his dad's um, at eight years old, and he was nine or ten. Rarely do I find success by myself, and rarely do I find, like, trouble alone. There's always somebody else. Show me your friends. Show me the people in your life that you've given permission to your heart to guide you and lead you, and I'll show you your future. So what I want us to do, I want everybody to do, whether you're listening to the podcast, um, live stream, Awaken, Freedom Center, um, Carl Jones, wherever you are, Carl Jones, just want to say that to you. He's listening right now. I want you to take a moment and with your hearts and mind list, we've done this before, but I want to do this practice again, list five of your closest friends. Just take a moment. Think of the five closest friends in your life. And they can't be your spouse. And they cannot be your immediate family. And they can't be a dog, can't be a cat, or a talking bird. Those things do not count. Well, my bird is different. Well, we're not talking about your bird, okay? We're talking about friends that know your weaknesses, that know who you are, people you've given permission to. I bet, according to experts, more so than ever, we can't list five of our closest friends that we've given permission to. Not a, not, some of us can, but not all of us. We can think of like one or two. Five of your closest friends. Why is this important? Because sociologists and experts have taught this, and it's a principle that you are the average of your five closest friends. And some of us, we're like, well, I've only got like two really close friends, but then there's these other four or six other people. You're the average of the group of people you have linked up with. In other words, you may not make the most money, but you definitely don't make the least amount of money. You may not, you know, have the nicest of things, but you don't have the worst of things. You might not be the smartest person in your group, but you're definitely not the least smartest person in your group. You're the average of five people. You're the average of five people. Show me the people who have influence in your life, and I'll show you your future. And as you look at this list, I want you to think about this. Think about the people you've given keys to your heart to. Think about every area of your life. How many of you guys want to have a great marriage? You're married, right? How many of you guys want to, want to do singlehood well? Awesome. I'm so glad there's people here that want to do singlehood well because it's true. Here's the thing. How many of you guys get destination disease? Like once I'm married or once I have kids, then I'll be happy. Once I have a boat, once I have, just kidding. <laughs> once I have whatever that it is, then, right, we start getting destination disease missing the opportunity and the season we're in, right? So if I want to do singlehood well, I need to look for those who are thriving in it, not those who are constantly bickering about it. I want to say this to all single people that are here, which you guys raised your hands, so I'm just picking on you three back here, ladies, which I think is awesome. They're single. These ladies are single back here. Oh, Jen is single too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say this. Um, here's what's awesome about being single. When you sit at the table to do your budget, you'd get to sit at the table and do your budget alone. You see what I'm saying? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, 
So how much money am I going to spend on groceries this week? As much as I want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you get married, so how much are, what's the least we can spend, right, so that we can afford other things? And then once you have kids, okay, what do they need? Because what we need doesn't matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's these different seasons in our life. And God wants you to do the season you're in in relationships well, and you can be successful today by applying some of these issues. So if you want a really great marriage, are you hanging out with people who have good marriages? Right? Who are you giving people, what people are you giving permission to influence and speak into your life? If you want to be stronger financially, are you hanging with people who understand and manage money better than you? Right? If you want to be healthier emotionally and spiritually, are you finding those who are healthy emotionally? They're just a standard. They're steadfast. They're faithful to the truths of God. Are you finding those people and, and, and giving them permission to drive your 67 fastback, right? Do you, do you want to be in better shape or be healthier? Or are you hanging out with people who have and own the corner market on donuts, right? And I'm being serious. It's like, Either you press into those people or you give permission to the donut maker. True story. Oh, I'm going to get healthy one day. When? Well, all my friends, we love exactly. Right? I know it's silly, but these are simple truths. And here is a power statement that I believe is foundational to this series, that is foundational to today. And it's this. Every relationship ends up somewhere. Few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. Every relationship, every friendship ends up somewhere. But few of them end up somewhere on purpose. We're intentional about other things in our lives. Why aren't we intentional about our relationships? Right? Every relationship ends up somewhere. Few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. Again, I, I, rhetorical question, but how many of us want to engage in kingdom realities? then it's found in the relationship. So let's define friendship real quick. Proverbs 17, 17, the FBV version, it says this. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friendship, your friend requests on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on the posts to make you feel good about yourself. At the end of the day, friendship is really all about you and not about anybody else. It's not a real scripture, by the way. That's... <laughs> In case you were wondering. But you have to admit that social media in our culture today is having a real impact on how we define relationships, on how we define friendships. And I'm not going to get on a social media rant because I think it's healthy. I think it's good. I think there are so many great things that I've learned and taken from it. Like, I learn and I celebrate other people. Like, I, I don't get all discouraged and wish I had this or don't. I, I, I really don't. One, I don't get on much. I'm glad for the screen time uh, that tells you how, how long you've been on social media platforms on our phones now. I average about three hours a week. I'm so happy. I know you're like, whoa, that's a lot, Adam. Three hours a week is not a lot for the average person when the average person spends four hours a day on social media. I just, I don't need to get on it. I don't need to be on it. I don't need to know what everybody else is doing. I don't have time to know what everybody else is doing when I barely know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? And so... I'm, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do need to address this. Whatever you think about social media, I'm not anti it. This is not an anti-rant. I'm, I'm not doing that. 
we cannot deny that social media is redefining how we think about relationships. For example, years ago, I guarantee nobody, nobody in this room was picking up a telephone. You probably don't even know what a telephone is. Picking up a telephone, calling their friends and telling them about what they're going to eat for dinner that night. <laughs> or what book they're reading that night. Or how they're going to take a bath that night. Right? Or how they feel about, well, actually they did. They called each other to tell you how they felt about so-and-so down the street. You guys hear what I'm saying? Like, and here's what experts are saying. They're saying rather than becoming more concerned about face-to-face -face intimate friendships and relationships and connections, we're becoming obsessed with online image and what people actually think about us. Like this is what social media is doing to our hearts and we share our hearts, we share our hurts, and we broadcast them in 140 characters or less, and we feel like we're connecting with other people. I have more friends than I've ever had before, Adam. I'm here to tell you today, we're still alone, we're still broken, and we're not healed. If you want to today, this could be probably the most significant series of your life if we get this right, if we do this well. Because the kingdom of God advances, the glory of God advances through relationships, through you and me, through other people. It's an ongoing joke with pastors, you know, man, I love ministry, but if it wasn't for the people, <laughs> even though ministry is about people, because I, I guarantee you it's messy. People are messy. I'm messy. We're not perfect, but that's the glory in it all. That's the power in it all, that God can take broken vessels and put them back together because we're a people who practice kingdom realities. So this is what Proverbs 17, 17 really says. In the Passion Translation, it says, a dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. A friend loves you no matter what. And what do families do? They persevere and they stick together through all kinds of trouble. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had a handful of friends, maybe five to seven friends, who loved you no matter what? <laughs> who could see past your issues, could see past your struggles, could see past your personality type numbers, and call the gold out of you, still love you, but speak truth to you? How many guys would love to have friends like that? Right? And I want to say this because I think what happens is we find cheerleaders in our lives instead of coaches. Like, I get it, we need cheerleaders, but I need people, as much as they say yes, I need those same people to say no. I'm going to tell you something, it's not a secret, but sports, people who are into sports, I was into basketball, I love football, my son wants to play for U of M Michigan, because we're from Michigan, and, and I hope he gets to play with Jim Harbaugh one day, regardless of how you feel about Jim Harbaugh, I just hope he gets to play with him, um, which would be awesome, and he is very fast, and he is really good at football. And always has been. And so I want to invest in that and make sure. But here's the thing. I love sports. But if you know anything about sports or succeeding in sports, you had more coaches in your life than cheerleaders. Coaches tell you the hard stuff. Cheerleaders just cheer you on. And you can, you can go an extra yard. You can go an extra 10 yards or whatever that it is. But coaches give you the strategy to score the touchdown. Coaches teach you how to overcome obstacles that are in front of you. And I'm here to tell you today that you need friends that say no just as much as they say yes. Listen, I want to just unpack a few things. Wow, we're doing great on time. I also want to unpack a few things, and then um, 
um, give you three practical steps real quick to, in landing the plane. Love isn't just empathy. Hear me today. Love isn't just empathy, church. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, Passion Translation reads, it's better to be corrected openly if it stems from hidden love. You can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty, but your enemy's pretended flattery comes from insincerity. Love isn't just empathy. Hear me today, power statement, don't surround yourself with those who validate your feelings. Don't surround yourself with people who validate your feelings because feelings are fickle, man. You aren't supposed to be led by your feelings anyways. You don't feel your way into the kingdom. You faith your way. You don't feel your way into love. You choose to love. You don't feel your way into hope. You faith your way. And you don't feel your way into healing and freedom. You truth your way into freedom and healing. And so I just want to point out some things real quick because what has happened in the church is we took the pendulum because truth cuts, man. Truth is hurtful, and if we're not careful, we can do a tremendous damage with truth. But then we swung the pendulum to the other side, and now it's just all empathy. I'm here to tell you, empathy without truth is bad for relationships. Empathy, you got to hear me, this is fire. Empathy without truth is feeling-defined identity, is feeling-defined theology, Empathy without truth is feeling defined relationships. When we are searching for answers and our feelings, this is what they typically do, because I know my feelings, they seek out those who carry empathy before truth. Because I need to be validated. I need to feel better. I need to feel better. So we seek out, our feelings seek out empathy before truth. Why is this dangerous? Jesus had great empathy for everybody around him, incredible compassion. Before he performed a miracle, he was moved with compassion, moved with empathy. But breakthrough and healing always came. Freedom always came. Why? He says in John 8, my truth will set you free because Jesus was truth. Truth was always brought to the situation. Hear me today. Empathy is not truth. Empathy is a doorway. Truth is the answer in relationships across the board. Empathy is a doorway. Truth is the answer always. Don't surround yourself with those who validate your feelings. So let's get practical real quick. Number one, I got three things for you real fast. Be present. Everybody say be present. Remember we just talked like two weeks ago about how today matters and the whole message was about being present. I just want to quickly touch on this again, but just in a different light. Um, your children, our children are more dissatisfied with us as parents who are on social media when they want your attention, you're posting a life-changing cooking recipe or a new way to decorate. They feel that you are not available and that face-to-face -face contact is less important to them when you're hooked to your phone. So do the people around you. Right? So do the people. Be present. How many of you guys have been in a restaurant and you've noticed couples and families and every single one of them are on their mobile devices? Every single one of them. Every single... And they're probably posting about their experience and their food. But then 
They're on their mobile devices. Be present, church. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. When was the last time you gathered with some friends and you said, let's go change the world? Let's go serve Jesus. Kevin's gone, but in first service or second service, I mentioned him. There was a time where we were helping somebody in the church um, with an estate sale. And we're, we're, we're helping moving all the heavy stuff and move things. And I remember saying to him, there was these two-year-old used washer and dryer. And I looked at Kevin Schneider as he was getting ready to move these things out to the you know, front of the, the street. And I remember saying to him, I know of somebody in the church that needs a washer and dryer. I'll pay for half if you pay for the other half, and let's go drop it off. He's like, oh, okay. We loaded his truck, and we went and did it. When was the last time you spurred someone on or someone else spurred you on and said, let's go change the world together? I just, I asked Isaac during when we had a ton of snow. Not this year, because we didn't have any snow. Praise God. And when we've had a ton of snow, I remember calling up Isaac and a few other guys. I'm like, hey, let's go shovel some driveways. Just for fun. When was the last time you spurred someone on to change the world, to serve Jesus? And he says this, like, man, let's consider how to stimulate one another towards love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together. Not forsaking gathering as a church, right? as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There is power in your presence and in the presence of those around you. I remember doing my first two ever funerals as a young pastor, as a youth pastor. The first one was a 14-year-old who hung herself in her closet. The second one was a 19-year-old who overdosed on heroin. I didn't know these families. I didn't know. I wasn't even connected to these families, but they asked me to do their funerals. And I remember thinking, one, I hate funerals, but I'm like, come on, God, why can't I get an old guy or an old lady who served you all their life, and it was going to be easy to do, and I wouldn't have to answer any questions. And you know what? You know what they sent me after we did their funeral? and Lots of tears. Two weeks later, both of those parties, and those were different times, they said this, thank you for just being here. There's something about being present with people. Guys, don't, don't waste any more time. I don't know why I'm getting so emotional about this, but I feel like our, our nation has been awakened to how important it is to do relationships well. Family matters. The people in your life that give you a headache sometimes, it matters. Be present. Be people who are present. Jesus says this, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. There's something happening when you are face to face with someone. In the pain and on the mountaintops, in the valleys below, be present. And not just physically present, be all there emotionally. Because you can be present in someone's life and still not be present. Married couples know what I'm talking about because all of us have done this. I hope that's Jesus calling. Uh, <clears throat> is it Jesus? Oh, it's someone's person. No one knows. Is it a you art? Okay. Well, I forgive you if it was. Yeah, good. <clears throat> number two. Everybody say number two. Be vulnerable. So be present and be vulnerable. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to one another. Not just to God. How many of you guys are like confess your sins to God, but no one else knows your secrets? It's time to share. I'm not saying the whole world has to know. Please don't post stuff on social media. Don't, don't do that. That's not the way you do it. But Find someone to confess, it says. Confess your weaknesses to one another and pray for one another. Why? 
so that you may be healed, restored, and strengthened. The effective prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman can accomplish much. Be vulnerable. Vulnerability is a scary word. I get it. But this is a power statement. I want to say this. We may impress people or encourage people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. This is how we see that scripture where, where Jesus says, I am made strong in your weakness, is when we are able to talk about our weaknesses, confess our weaknesses, you connect with people differently than you do in your strengths. Now, here's the danger. Here's the trap that a lot of us can fall into, that our feelings can fall into and lead us there. Hear me today. There's a potential trap if we don't understand that we are to grow in our faith, that we are to see his kingdom advanced in our relationships and with the people that we dislike and like, with the people that we consider our enemies or not our enemies, as the kingdom of God advances. Hear me. Here's the trap. We connect with people who have like weaknesses, who have no desire to overcome or haven't overcome them, and we remain in our mess. And what happens? Our feelings are validated. Our feelings are validated. People going through a hard time find other people going through a hard time in their marriage. And when they do, how many of you guys have seen the outcome? Both marriages end because they're seeking out those who are also are having a hard time. Those aren't the people you want speaking truth in your life. How many of you guys know truth hurts? Like attracts like. And if we're not willing to allow kingdom realities to govern our situation, we will remain where we are. Truth sets us free. Empathy is just the doorway. Truth sets us free. So one, be present. Two, be vulnerable. And lastly, Isaac, if you want to come forward, be patient. It takes intentional time to, to cultivate relationships. Power statement, you got to get this today because patience is one of those things that we have forgotten about as a culture. Everything is now. Everything is fast food. Um, the latest and greatest, we have to have it now. We can't wait till Christmas so we can order it online. I can't wait till the next movie comes out so I can order it ahead of time and I can have the file before everybody else. We're just used to that culture. It feeds that desire for now. Patience, power statement. Patience, which is long-suffering, allows for the authenticity of one's heart to be revealed. If you're hopping around from relationship to relationship, you'll never see the things you need to see about your own heart. If, if, hear me, church, if you're hopping around from church to church looking for something and you're there for one year or you're there for two years, you got to give things time, intentional time, intentional long-suffering. You have to be intentional about being patient. Uh, patient. There's this young woman um, illustration in the church, right? And she understands that she needs to seek out wise counsel from those who have gone before. And so she seeks out like a Grace Jones. She seeks out someone who's gone before her, and she says, I, I need patience. Like I, I'm asking, can you pray for me that, I, that God would give me patience? And so this matriarch comes over to her, starts praying over her, and she says, God, I just pray that, the, that you would give her conflict and that you would give her trials and tribulations. And right away, the girl was like, no, 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 hang on. What are you praying right now? I said I want patience. I don't need more conflict in my life, right? Hear me today. Conflict. 
hardship develop the patience that we all need? Long-suffering. Right? And you've heard it from this platform. You've heard it said probably over and over until I'm blue in the face. (laughs) But if you're going to succeed in relationships, if you're going to succeed in doing Uh, finding a new family, like a church family, if you're going to succeed in having a boss or having a leader or whatever that it is, you got to get this. Conflict is an opportunity to draw closer. As hard as it is, and as as much as we want to avoid it, conflict is an opportunity to draw closer. Conflict is an opportunity for intimacy to be tried and tested. I know my wife more so in in the depths of who we are more so because of conflict, not because of the boat that you're going to let me borrow when you get. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, those are great moments and those are great memories, but the things that shape us is the pain that we've endured and the pain that we've overcome. Conflict is an opportunity to, to grow closer, to come closer. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I love this. I love how the Passion Translation reads. It says in other uh, translations, as a, as a slave, as a bondservant of the Lord, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I am bound to this man. I've given my life to him because of what he's given to me. I plead with you, church, walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. You are a general in the army of God, so live up to it, given to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always, church, not some, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Power statement. Again, every friendship, every relationship ends up somewhere, but few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. So here's the challenge. What kind of friend will you be? Freedom Center, church, what kind of friend will you be? Awaken church, single divorced, married, single again, high schoolers looking for a new job to do life with, what kind of friend will you be? Not those around you. I'm not talking about those around you. I'm talking about you. How will you purpose to do